1: where you can actually go off and do your own thing. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. You are darn right it is. Hey, welcome into the program. What a weekend it was. Hopefully you enjoyed your Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to you. You have recovered from the turkey, right? You've recovered from the sleep and from the laziness and from the visiting with family and friends and the watching football or watching movies, whatever else you did. I don't care. Hopefully you recovered and you're back at it, ready to go for another one. And you're still yet kind of sort of quasi in holiday mode, ready to get through the next few weeks to get into Christmas and to New Year's before the long stint of nothingness begins. (laughs) Not to put a damper on the holidays, but good golly. That's a long stint. That's why we love St. Patrick's Day so much in the middle of March. Welcome into the show. This is The Voice Reason. I am Andy Hoosier broadcasting live out of the heart of the nation here in Wichita, Kansas on our flagship radio station. Back at it, ready to go. Your millennial general reporting for duty. Feeling refreshed and frustrated that there's so much political news going on during the holidays when you're supposed to be enjoying and they always slip it through, man. They always find a way to try to ram it through when you're not paying attention because you're too busy, you know, having a life and not paying attention about political issues. But we are here and we follow it each and every day, so we'll get you caught up on what the latest is going on. Selwyn Duke, he's a contributor to The New American. We've had him on the show many times before. He is going to come on at the bottom of the hour. We'll talk about the Georgia Senate runoff race. We'll talk about midterm recaps. We'll talk about voter fraud issues and claims, current court cases that are going on right now that the... Mainstream media is probably, more so than not, probably not talking about on their news platforms. So we'll talk about what's going on here. There's a lot to get to, obviously. There are protests going on in China. We have the runoff election in Georgia. We have the assault weapons ban from the Biden administration after shootings. If you remember, on Wednesday before Thanksgiving, we ran the story and talked about the Talking points that Joe Biden and the administration had released on their website and on social media to say, hey, if you're going to argue with Bobby Joe and and Uncle Billy at the Thanksgiving dinner because they're a bunch of evil MAGA right wing domestic terrorists in the country, then if you're going to dialogue with them, then what you really need to do is here's the talking points you need to have to defend Democrats and uh, to defend the Biden administration. And we went through point by point out how absurdly absurd they were, and one of those was how great the Second Amendment was after him trying to limit the Second Amendment and gun control initiatives that he's done, while at the same time we've seen shooting after shooting week after week here. So now, of course, they have to push an assault weapon ban. We'll talk about that here in just a minute because uh, they're getting their terms confused. Their terminology is getting all mixed up between assault weapon and semi-automatic. They think those are one and the same. And if they are referring to one and the same there, then you have a serious problem on your hands. Because every firearm out there, except for maybe like a bolt-action rifle or a revolver handgun outside of those, every single firearm out there is a semi-automatic, as far as I'm aware. And they're saying that that is now considered the assault. We've always asked them what the definition of an assault weapon is. Now we got our answer. So we'll get that to that here in just a little bit. But we are getting to the end of the year, which means it's time for our New Year's resolutions. What do you want to do with your life in 2023? What do you want to do to make yourself better? What do you want to do to enhance your life? What goals do you have for your life? Is it do you want to lose weight? Do you want to start a business? Do you want to make your business grow? Do you want to gain something else? Do you want to find that significant other? Do you want to get out of debt? What is your goal for 2023? I'm curious. And you can leave me a comment on the social media. You can email me at network at gmail.com. I'm curious on what your New Year's resolution is. I've been thinking about mine, and obviously I have my serious ones. I want to grow the Hoosier Media Network. I want to spend more time with the family, a little voice of reason. I got to see one basketball game of hers last year. And that's it. And I was very bummed about that. So this year I'm going to be seeing more of her basketball games. I'm going to be spending more time with the family. And I'm going to try and really kind of recorrect a lot of my priorities. Along with growing my side business, along with growing this radio show that has grown tenfold compared to what it was just a couple years ago. So thank you for that. We love you to death. And I cannot, I couldn't imagine how big the show is right now compared to what I ever thought it would be and the potential of what it's going to be here very soon. And there's a lot of really cool stuff that we're working on behind the scenes. It's, been, it's taken a lot longer than what I had thought it would be, but it's because I'm just a busy guy. So it takes me longer to get projects done. But I promise you, we're going to be blowing this thing up um, like none others. Donald Trump says it's going to be huge and it's going to be bigly and we're going to have fun with it. So, But I was thinking of other little side New Year's resolutions that I want to do. Of course, I want to look like... You know, like a ripped Jason Momora. So I'll have to get into the gym maybe once in my life and do something like that. <laughs> that's a joke. Because I already look like that. Ah, see? see, that's another joke. No, I'd like to be fit, but I don't really care. But I'd really like to honestly dig into the side of the other side of the political aisle more so than what I do right now. I'm the reasonable voice on the radio. Obviously, we have our conservative feel to us. We have our conservative mindset, but, you know, they kind of look at me and just kind of blow me off because, well, they can. And because we don't do much on social media, I've kind of backtracked on that one a little bit. And I just don't spend a whole lot of time on social media anymore. So we need to kind of revamp the social media presence and really be the thorn in the side of the left side of the aisle. Kind of like the new ultimate troll that's out there. I don't know if you've noticed or not, Donald Trump has kind of stepped aside from being the dominant troll on social media, and the new guy is none other than Elon Musk. I mean, let's be honest. Not only does he have control over Twitter now, so he can really do whatever the hell he wants to with Twitter, but he loves to troll the other side with the cancel culture. The owner of the social media platform himself is the one that took a picture of what he calls his bedside table with about four or five cans of Coca-Cola and two handguns. Now one of them it is an antique handgun that's in a case that has George Washington crossing the river in the iconic picture there with a nice little you know flint right or a flint handgun there but the other one looks a little bit futuristic don't quite know what it is but the fact that he posted a gun on social media if it were um, Mark Zuckerberg, or if it was Jack Dorsey, the former owner of Twitter, or if it was any of these other owners of these social media groups, they would be losing their minds right now and censoring that and taking it off the web. <laughs> but, instead, but instead, you have the owner of the social media site posting it himself on his nightstand. Now, you gotta remember Elon Musk is not, he was not a naturally born American. He's a citizen now because he's became naturalized, I believe. But he's from South America. He is a moderate individual, a center, slightly right individual, and the owner of some very futuristic stuff, of course, with Tesla and with the Neuralink and with SpaceX and all the other projects that he's involved in. So he's not like the flaming right conservative two-way type of guy that loves his guns and his Bible and clings onto those things and is part of the MAGA crowd. He's nowhere near that. So the fact that he posted a firearm just shows he's – I don't even know if those are his – I don't even know if those are real. They don't look real. They look more just like future. the one looks futuristic, the other one looks antique I I don't know if it's a real gun or not. I see that. I'm trying to enhance it a little bit because it's kind of a bad picture that I have here. But it does not look real. But the fact that he posts it just shows that he's trying to go out of his way to troll people on social media who absolutely despise him owning the social media platform and opening it up for people to have a real dialogue. They, they hate it. They hate it. So, if I could level up my game a little bit and be more of the troll on social media like that, that would be great. The problem is, though, they already know what to expect from me being an evil conservative talk radio host. The emails that I get about being called a hate talk radio host, I I kind of check like, because there's no hate on the show. We love everybody. You may not be the brightest individual in the crayon, you know, the brightest crayon in the box, but we still love you. We'll pat you on the head and give you a hug. It's cool. Uh, but this guy, he just don't care. And if they're going to come after him, he's really showing the cancel culture that is on the other side of the aisle, which I am here to tell you that there is a war going on and it's going to get worse. I am afraid that 2023 is going to step up their game when it comes to control of content on the interweb. And I'm not just talking about social media and Twitter. I'm talking about the Internet in general. If you remember, what, a year or two ago, they tried the disinformation governance board, which didn't last very long, but it's still kind of mulling around behind the scenes, and they're finding new and creative ways to do it without telling you that they're actually doing it because it's for your safety. And this is one issue that I'm glad we have the House of Representatives for now with the Republican control if they can hold their backbone and actually fight for what's needed because I'm a little concerned of what's going to come up with content in 2023, especially now that Donald Trump has announced that he's running for president again, because anything he says is going to be attacked, is going to be uh, censored, is going to be fact-checked, and I use that in air quotes for our radio listeners, because they despise what he has to say. If you remember, you remember the name Nina Jankowski, or uh, I'm sorry, uh, Nina Jenkowitz. She was the head of what was going to be the disinformation government support. She was going to be the quote-unquote disinformation czar. Well, now now that she lost her job in a short period of time being the disinformation czar, Jankowicz is now filed as a foreign agent to be part of a nonprofit organization based in the United Kingdom called the Center for Information Resilience. Sounds vaguely like the Disinformation Governance Board from here in the United States. While she's going to be working for the Center for Information Resilience, or the CIR, as a, quote, "...independent, non-profit, social enterprise dedicated to countering disinformation, exposing human rights abuses, and combating online behavior harmful to women and minorities." Apparently, they're the most information. If you bully as a white young boy, then we don't really give a crap. You know, you're, you're more than likely statistically going to turn out to be the crazy mad shooter if you get abused online and if you have some mental health issues or if you have depression or if you have other issues. But we don't care about you. We really care about more about women and minorities. I digress. She's now going to be working for CIR, the Center for Information Resilience, out of the United Kingdom. Andy, who cares? They're the UK. They do the weird stuff anyways. He really cares what they do. There's an odd timing to this after the transition into the new king with Queen Elizabeth that finally passed away and now King, whatever the hell his name is, King uh, King Bob, we'll call him that, for it's king, what, king Charles III. I'm king, he had four first names. You could choose any one of them that you wanted. That's the one he chose was King Charles III, uh, which is really crazy because others predicted that as well. But King Charles III, when he became king, announced what his agenda was going to be. And part of his agenda was going to according to him this is his direct words I'm paraphrasing where he said his one of his top priorities was going to completely dismantle the private industry globally he is a mad socialist he is a mad tyrant he hates the private sector he hates the consumer he hates the individual he's all about control by the government now his goal is not only to dismantle the private sector in the United Kingdom, but globally. He hates private trade. He hates private corporation. He hates private enterprise. He hates That's just what his number one enemy is. Here in the U.S., it's like the NRA. We hate the NRA. That's the worst people on the face of the earth. To him, it is any private corporation out there, which means anybody who is a business owner, who is someone trying to pass off in the private market, he's going to be shutting them down. He's going to do that, The same way that they're trying to shut down Trump here, they're trying to shut down the NRA here, the same way they're trying to get rid of firearms here, is that they're going to go after the information you're allowed to see to only demonize these groups, which would be really anything from the private sector. Now, how would you do that? You do that with the, quote, Center for Information Resilience to tell you what is truth and what is not truth. Now, could you imagine only having one person out there telling you what truth is around the world? I know it's kind of a deep philosophical question, but ask yourself, is it really plausible to have one in, one individual tell you what truth is around the world? This is what this gal wants to do, this Nina Jankowitz, who tried to be the head of the Disinformation Governance Board here, and is now part of the Center for Information Resilience there to work with King Charles III to help bring down private enterprise globally for complete government utopian control. The Voice of Reason
0: with Andy Hoosier. Bring some reason into your day. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. We're back into the program.
1: I'm still trying to rack my brain on how one individual believes that they have the right to say what is truth around the world. I mean, truth is honestly relative to everybody. Now, I'm not talking about absolute truths in order for us to have a structured society. You know, what a business is. What an individual is, you know, the gender or the sex or the skin color or whatever. I'm not talking about absolute truths to allow us to actually function in society. social norms that we accept. The sky is blue. No, it's not. It's purple. Because I can say whatever. Co- I mean, that's kind of common core math and common core education that we're, de- <laughs> that we're dealing with nowadays. Hey, the sky is blue. No, it's not. It is indigo. What? How do you know? Well, because I can say any color... At all, because that's the color I identify with or that I think it needs to be. Uh, Two plus two. Two plus two can be anything that we want to, because that way it makes us feel better. Whatever feels right inside. I'm not talking about those absolute truths. What I am talking about is there are some absolute truths of what is right, what is wrong, what is good, what is bad, what is okay, what is not okay. You know, killing someone is not okay. I don't care what religion or what view that you have. Uh, it's wrong, it's bad. You just shouldn't be doing something like that. Stealing someone else's private property, that is bad. You can't do those things. The golden rule, treat others as you'd like to be treated yourself. You don't want people looting and stealing your stuff. So why would you do that for yourself? I'm not talking about those I'm talking about the other stuff in society. For example, tomato. Is it a fruit or a vegetable? I will debate that all day long with somebody. Don't you dare. (laughs) Don't you dare tell me that it is a fruit. A tomato is not a fruit, and I will fight that to the end of the earth. We don't need one person sitting there dictating what is truth and what is not truth. If you remember, this gal who tried to be the head of the... uh, disinformation governance board this nina jankowitz if you remember she's the one that shut down the whole biden laptop issue back in 2020 and beyond because she thought that it was fake news even though we had verifiable sources we had the laptop company we had the fbi that admitted it was there we had everybody that was there and she's the one during the disinformation governance board that served it's honestly served its purpose at the time Because they only needed it for a short amount of time for them to silence stuff during the election, shortly after the election, to calm the tempers, to calm the uh, very angry right side of the aisle that was concerned about voter fraud issues, that was concerned about 2020, that was concerned about the Hunter Biden laptop, that was concerned about all these things. you got to remember, people in America, unfortunately, have a very short attention span when it comes to politics. The next big crises, which is usually like a school shooting or something, makes people forget about these big topical issues. So all they had to do was damper it out and stifle out the fire for a short time. After that, then they revert back to the Hillary Clinton mindset of, at what point does it really matter any longer? They didn't care. So while the disinformation governance board didn't last very long, it did did last long enough and it did serve its purpose. Because it did what it had to do, which was stifle out the accusations of what kind of shady business the Biden family was into, along with some of the stuff that Hunter Biden was into, along with the election fraud potentially and allegedly that happened during 2020, and what the government was doing behind the scenes. That's all it had its intent and purpose for. Then it shut down, and Nina Jankowicz now is moving on from that into the Center for Information Resilience with the UK that will not just affect the United Kingdom. And King Charles III, this radical socialist mobster that's running the the UK now, which Queen Elizabeth wasn't any better, let's be honest, but he's there now. With He wants to be more politically active. He wants to set a tone for the country and try and set a tone nationally and globally as well, and she's now going to be part of this. And she has her experience through the Disinformation Governance Board. She has uh, the resilience and the experience, working through Twitter and Facebook and YouTube and all the other social media sites, being able to censor and silence content and spread her truth. And now she's going to be doing it to the UK that will be bleeding in and affecting with that ripple wave, that unintended consequence here into the United States. So be prepared because we have a battle on our hands when it comes to actual content, actual truth, real truth, legitimate truth, and then what they're trying to spread as quote-unquote fake news because they don't want their agenda To get out, because they sense the opportunity, they smell weakness, they smell the opportunity for control, and they're going to seize the day, baby. And we got to be prepared for it. Lots more coming up. Voice of Reason with Andy hoosier
0: When reason meets radio. You're listening to The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier.
1: Darn right you are Reason, Common Sense Rationale. That's what we're all about here on the program after a Thanksgiving holiday. Back at it, baby, and 20 pounds heavier after eating that entire turkey by myself. (laughs) I did. So Thursday, Mrs. Voice of Reason made the best turkey in the world. I tried, you know, I asked her how many minutes per pound that you put the turkey into the microwave for. Didn't work out too well, so... uh, I'm kidding she makes a fantastic turkey every year and it gets better every i don't know what it is every single year it seems to get better and better so i gorge myself and we made it for lunchtime which is perfect on thanksgiving day so we had it and then i you ever hit that moment where you're so tired you you hit that wall you're like i don't care what's going on i have to lay down right now or else i will fall asleep standing up right now i laid down and i took like a two and a half hour nap on thursday The deepest sleep I think I ever had in my life. Apparently, uh, I heard afterwards when I woke up that the neighbors came by to say Happy Thanksgiving. We're banging on the door. We're ringing the doorbell. And I was in the living room that was right by the front door. Oh, no. That didn't even wake me up. I had no clue until after I woke up about two and a half hours later, two, two and a half hours later. So it was the deepest sleep I think I ever been in. And I felt great. That was great. And then, obviously, we got the Christmas tree hung up. We got the Christmas lights all up. Everything was hunky-dory. So it was a great weekend. But, man, Thursday, I I uh, I I died for a couple hours. And I think you need that every once in a while. But, man, hopefully you're back at it. You have recovered from the turkey hangover. As we talk, we just uh, kind of mentioned the battle for real information, for truth, for common sense. It's going to be more difficult. Every year it seems to get more difficult. But the battle continues, especially now that we have the disinformation governance board that's trying to run behind the scenes we have the center for information resilience now out of the united kingdom with the former head of the disinformation board that is now going to be working with them as well what is that meaning for our content on the interweb on social media and beyond we have to continue that battle on and to talk about some of this on what's coming up what we get to look forward to and a heck of a lot more excited to have back on the program with us here what's
0: trending today as he
1: is a contributor to the new american he also writes for the hill the observer the american conservative world net daily american thinker and so many other places as well we love having him on the program excited to have back on with us here mr selwyn duke selwyn how are you my friend
0: Andy, I'm just fine. It's great to be with you. But I have to say, at today's prices, I do not believe that you consumed a whole turkey. I think there's something <laughs> a little wrong with that story. I don't know.
1: That's right. Um, disinformation. That's right.
0: Disinformation. Disinformation. That's it. Yep. You read it my is. mind. There it is. There you it need is. to be censored. No more turkey stories for you.
1: No more turkey stories. That's right. Oh, man. Well, happy Thanksgiving. It was I, I do. It, it was hard. It's hard to get a turkey today. I know because of the, the avian flu and then with the routes and then with the you know just inflation at all and the it was tough i think a lot of people had a hard time getting turkeys this year
0: yeah yeah there's no doubt about it i mean unfortunately a lot of middle class americans are suffering because of this economy we have as you know but the pseudo elites such as joe biden they're not affected at all so they really don't care and that's the tragedy of this system when You have vote fraud, which I think we may talk about today. What happens is it becomes harder and harder, Andy, for the people to hold the pseudo-elites accountable. And then, of course, the pseudo-elites, that's what I call them, don't have to answer to the people and we're gravitating more and more towards that kind of a system and that leads to a two-tiered society which we see in so many ways not just in terms of wealth i mean that's inevitable of course we're not communists but you see it in terms of our justice system right you see a multi-tiered justice system where if you're connected and you're part of the regime or an ally of it you basically can get away with murder almost but if you oppose the regime then the FBI raids your home with a SWAT team at pre-dawn, just like they did to Roger Stone, right? Yeah,
1: it's unbelievable. I do want to get to the voter fraud here. Before we do, though, i got to ask, I mean, going off of that, the, the according to The Economist now, they say that we're spending more money now than what we were during the COVID pandemic, that we're going back to pre-pandemic levels. We're seeing all these billions of dollars for Black Friday, Cyber Monday today, the Small Business Saturday, all this money going out to shopping, saying that the economy is not slowed down even with the near 9% inflation rates in the nation. My question is, are we spending more because we're actually buying more things and we don't care about how expensive stuff is, or is it because we're just buying the same as we normally do, it's just costing us much more money, so they say that we're spending more money?
0: Well, I would guess it's the latter. I mean, obviously, if you want to talk about the fundamentals of our economy, they don't look very, very good. We're printing up money out of nothing which is very very dangerous ultimately that's going to collapse the currency and as you know Andy that's the true meaning of inflation in economic terms when you inflate the currency and that leads to rising prices maybe it's not the only thing that does but it certainly does and it's a hidden form of taxation because it causes the dollars in our wallets to be worth less that's what it does. So actually, the pseudo elites when they inflate the currency, they're stealing money from middle-class Americans. It's like this. It's like if I have a printing press, Andy, okay? And I can print up all the money I want. It's great for me because I print up money, it gets into my hands first and the hands of my cronies. I can pay off my debts, do whatever I want to do. But as that money starts circulating in the economy, what happens is is it leads to rising prices and it hurts everyone else, but me, well, and I can just print up even more money, right? So I end up being unscathed.
1: What a system of madness. And uh, there was a joke, there was a TV show called, I don't know if you ever saw it, Raising Hope, where they kind of made their own uh, currency, and they did that, and they did a barter system of trading of all the small businesses around the small town, and they started doing that, just printing off their own money, and pretty soon they were bringing uh, wheelbarrow loads of the money just to be able to get something. And the joke at the end of the episode was, wow, so glad we have way smarter people than that running our government because we're horrible at this. (laughs) That's exactly what they do. (laughs) That's exactly what they do. Let's get into voter fraud here. We have the election that wrapped up just a couple weeks ago with the midterm elections. We have the Georgia runoff election that just started over the weekend with early voting. Before we get to the Georgia runoff, let's talk about the midterms this year. What have you seen? I know that we went into this race... And the RNC had said that they filed near 70-some-odd lawsuits going into the election with concerns about either voter fraud or voter transparency or some types of issues across the nation. What did you see, and was this a fairer election than 2020, or was there still concerns about this one?
0: You mean 2020, the most secure election (laughs) in American history, in fact, in the history of the universe? That's right. How is that possible, Yeah, yeah, sure. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, you know, as we know now, this has become common knowledge, any time the left says something, the truth is exactly the opposite. So, if they say it was the most secure election ever, it means it was the least secure election ever. But Let's get very, very serious here. If you look at elections and you follow politics, Andy, you know you observe certain patterns over time. And when you start to see that in an election those patterns are violated over and over and over again, you have to say something is wrong here. There's too much circumstantial evidence of vote fraud. Now... People were expecting a so-called red wave on November 8th. As you know, Everyone was talking about it. And then it didn't materialize. You all heard all these theories as to why. Oh, it was Donald Trump's influence, or the Republicans didn't have anything to run on, as if the Democrats did when all they were doing was calling people names. Yeah. So what do we see, though? In reality, though, there's something very suspicious. There was a red wave, for instance, in Florida. In fact, there was a tremendous red wave there. Not only did Governor Ron DeSantis and Senator Marco Rubio win by wide margins, but they flipped Miami-Dade County. Now, think about how significant that is, and they flipped it by a decent margin, too. That's a bit like the Republicans in my state of New York having flipped New York City. It's staggering, not exactly, but a bit. Not only that, the Republicans in Florida are poised to control 85 seats in the 120-member House, a historical record. Now, what accounts for this? Because we didn't see this in the rest of the country. Well, what I did, Andy, was I looked at the polls... Now, traditionally, Republicans tend to underpoll. They tend to do better than the polls indicate. In 2020, we learned, according to an analysis, that the Republicans had underpolled by an average of 3.3 points. And a study a little while back indicated that the Republicans this time around were probably under-polling by about five points. But once the election took place, what happened? Lo and behold, if we look at most of the rest of the country, we have to believe that the Republicans were actually over polling. They didn't perform well relative to the polls, but in Florida we saw something completely the opposite. In Florida, it was p- apparent that they had underpolled by a very, very great margin. In fact, I ran the numbers here, okay? I found out that DeSantis and Rubio had under polled by an average of about seven point five points. Wow. But now contrast that, Andy, with what happened in other states. Colorado, I analyzed a Senate race there, New Hampshire, Washington, Pennsylvania, North Carolina, Ohio. I found that in those states, the Republicans, if you believe the results, actually had overpolled by an average of five point three points. Now that's a difference of almost thirteen points, Andy, between the GOP's under polling in Florida and its alleged over polling elsewhere. And what's the explanation for this? Well here's the thing. There are not different polling systems in Florida than in the rest of the country, but you know what there is? There's a different voting system. DeSantis and the legislature in Florida really took pains to clamp down on vote fraud. They made sure that it was illegal to... Possess more than two ballots for any individual to do so. They limited the time that drop boxes could be available, and there had to be a government official monitoring every drop box. They created new voter ID requirements, and this made a big, big difference. And what I'm saying is Florida might have given us a glimpse into what an honest election actually would look like. And let me point out something. I said they clamped down on mail-in balloting. That's very significant, because that's the type of balloting, Andy, that's most susceptible to vote fraud, which is why it's been illegal in France since 1975. You look at places where they have widespread mail-in balloting, there is tremendous vote fraud. Now, stop me if I'm going on too long, because there's more that I can say about this.
1: Well, I tell you, we Here's ta- something else. Sir. Yeah, we got to take a yep. hard break here. So this is a perfect time to take a break for a second. And I want to continue this when we come back, because you're right. I mean, Ron DeSantis was the very first one they called on election night, and it was an easy win for him. We saw a few other states like that. Ohio was another one as well. But the difference between the underpolling of republicans here compared to other states is fascinating to move into a 2024 presidential election we'll do some of that more when no we come back and Selwyn reason. Duke right here on the Voice Boy, of Reason. Stay here.
0: Fighting for freedom every day. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. John Wright, we are welcome back into
1: the program. A few minutes left to wrap it up for a Monday today, recapping your Thanksgiving break, getting you set for the holidays. Just continue the holiday celebration to the end of the year. We got Christmas, we got New Year's, we got Hanukkah, we got Kwanzaa, we got everything else coming up. Just enjoy all of it, baby. Welcome back in. We're hanging out with Selwyn Duke. You can find him online, selwynduke.com. Also, the new You can see all his writings there as well. Also on the social media and the Tweety at Selwyn Duke. And you can find all his great pieces. We talk about voter fraud, the under-polling, over-polling of Republicans going into the election. Can we really trust the sources when it comes to the polls going into election? So let's move from... Florida for a second, which is the perfect example, like you said, where they under-polled Republicans near seven to eight points overall for the averages there. Uh, And move it to, like, Arizona, where we have still Maricopa County, the absolute disaster that's on there. Uh, Carrie Lake, as far as I'm aware, has not conceded the race yet for the governor's race in Arizona. That's still within a percentage point. The automatic recount, I'm sure, has been triggered. If it hasn't been already, it will be soon. Uh, But your thoughts In the style, the two different styles of the electoral process from Florida to Arizona and what we could expect moving forward. They had two years to fix that system, and yet it's still a complete disaster for this one.
0: Yeah, well, there's no question about it. I just wrote an article about that, Andy, and I said you can call it the tale of two purple states. They both had been viewed prior to the election, Arizona and Florida, as purple states. And by the way, I analyzed the demographics. They're very, very similar. Yet we're to believe that the voters in Florida are so much more different now than the voters in Arizona. It doesn't make sense. And there was an analysis of the numbers in Arizona, and something very interesting was found. If you look at the down-ballot races, the small races, you see that the Republicans got many, many more votes than the Democrats did. In fact, I think the figure is 163,000 more votes. Yet, if you look at the up-ballot races, the four big ones, we're talking governor, Senate, Attorney General, and Secretary of State, the Democrats got many more votes. Now, You're to believe, then, that all these voters who voted Republican in the smaller races, for some reason, split their votes, which doesn't exactly make sense. You could make the case that Carrie Lake and Blake Masters, respectively, the gubernatorial and senatorial candidates for the Republicans there, are controversial figures, and consequently they turned off some people. Maybe you could make that case. But that doesn't explain why we see the same phenomenon with the attorney general and secretary of state races. What does explain it, though? Well, someone at American Thinker actually put it very, very well. He said that when you're committing mail-in vote fraud, you always focus on the up-ballot races because, one, time and ballot differences. He wrote, this person I'm citing, Lund, the up-ballot candidates are the same for the entire state. The down-ballot races are distinct for the locale of that particular precinct or district and understand something else. If you're going to steal votes statewide, which you can do, let's say in a big city, you steal a lot of votes that influences a statewide race. You can do that, but that's not going to help you with some congressional district in a rural area 150 miles away from that big city. So that's why you can see these very different results in these Arizona congressional races than you do in the gubernatorial and senatorial races. Very, very suspicious. And let me just say, because we're talking about mail-in vote fraud here, Andy, I was talking about this before the break. I said it was the kind of voting, mail-in voting, most susceptible to vote fraud, which is why it's been illegal in France since 1975. Yeah. Let me make my case. May 12th, 2020, in Patterson, New Jersey, there was and race, a special election between two Democrats, a judge found that the mail-in vote fraud was so egregious that he ordered that a new election be held. August 2020, a Democrat operative spoke to the New York Post, the newspaper, under the condition of anonymity. He explained that he and his crew had been committing mail-in vote fraud for many, many years in my area, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, so on and so forth. He said that it was severe enough, extreme enough to swing states, especially if elections are close. Not only that, get this. He said there are postal workers who work with the Democrats. Remember, they're federal employees. Many of them are very liberal and who will throw away ballots en masse that come from Republican areas because they know that they're largely going to break for the Republican candidates. Think about that. I'm making the case for why you cannot have widespread mail-in voting and have secure elections. It is literally impossible.
1: It is, I'm glad you're bringing this up because we have a lot of work to do and a lot of states are starting to tweak their system starting to fine tune it but it, we still have a lot of work to do and obviously this is the stuff that needs to come out to let people know about really what's going on here to be cautious when they see these mail-in votes across their state Selwyn Duke with the New American Selwyn it's always good to talk to you my friend we're out of time already I could talk to you about this for I'm hours here. but let's get you back on again here real soon terrific and god bless hey you as well my friend all right that is for us today back at it again tomorrow we have a whole week of awesomeness here on the program until then be your own voice of reason we'll see you on the radio tomorrow